Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I want to talk more about that this morning. I want to talk to you about never being alone. Never being alone. Have you ever been abandoned, left behind? Maybe you remember that. I remember my first experience with that very uh, intimately, very in much detail. My brother and I, we were on vacation as we used to go up to Michigan, uh, northern Michigan, to a little family cabin, and we were up there, and we were on our way home, and I'll never forget it. We actually had my uncle and aunt with us, and so we went in two cars. And so there's seven kids, and so what we love to do, and all of us like to do, is kind of spread out, break up the break up the, the, uh, the sibling rivalry, and so some of us went in my Uncle Steve's car, and some of us went in my mom and dad's car. So we stopped at a rest stop somewhere in mid-Michigan, and uh, so my brother and I, Greg, we got out, and of course, we always that's your chance to run and play, and, and we found this cool hill that just rolled down, and we just thought, man, this would be our time. So we're just rolling down, run back up, roll on down. I was about seven years old, I remember that much. Greg was two years, so he must have been about nine. And uh, so we're just playing and playing and playing, and finally we're just covered with dirt, we're covered with grass, we get up, we walk into the parking lot, and everybody's gone. So there we are, seven and nine-year-olds sitting at a rest stop, no mom and dad, nobody. And I remember we just looked at each other, I'll never forget, we just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, they left. And that kind of just sat in there for a moment, you know, what are we going to do? And so we, you know, we did, we went right back to that hill, we said, well, <laughs> that's what we were doing, so that's what we're going to keep doing. So we went back to Roland and, and, uh, and had a good time. But I remember it finally, it, we, we, we kind of dawned on us, maybe we ought to you know, present ourselves somewhere in the front. So we sat at a little bench facing the parking lot and just kind of sat there, waiting. Meanwhile, of course, my mom and dad and uncle and aunt, they get back to my uncle and aunt's house, which is about an hour away. Yeah. No cell phones. These were back in the days where you didn't, you know, you didn't call in and say, hey, do you got them? No, 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 no. You had to get home and finally realize, one, two, three, uh-oh. And I was talking to my mom on the phone. I said, now, Mom, am I remembering this in detail? She goes, yeah, I remember I fainted. And I thought, well, good. <laughs> kind of glad you did, Mom. Suffered a little bit. And uh, no, I'm kidding. But she said, yeah, I'll never forget that day. And anyway, so we had to wait around because, of course, they jumped in the car and went as fast as they could and, and uh, pick us up. But uh, I never, I remember being so relieved when finally, but I, in my mind, I was thinking, well, we looked at Greg and he was like, you know what? They fu Mom finally made good on all those threats. Because <laughs> you'd always say to us, you know, one day we're just going to leave you out in the middle of nowhere. Remember that? And I was thinking, wow, she was serious. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they did come back and get us and thank God for that. And <laughs> but I'll never forget that feeling of being abandoned being left behind. Deep in our heart, we knew, well, you know, mom was going to come back eventually, but you, you never know. And in that deep place inside your heart, it's, it's, it's a scary thing, isn't it, to be alone? And of course, back in those days, I mean, these, I mean now, it'd uh, be frightening to think what would happen to a seven and nine-year-old to be left in a situation like that. Back in the, uh, I guess it would have been the early 70s or late 60s, that uh, wasn't nearly as, as big a deal, but it really was, wasn't it? And so I want to talk to us about never being alone, never being alone, never being in a situation where we ever have to feel that. This morning, we know the story. 
We know why we're gathered here today. We know the story of, of God looking down and saying, you know, I see my children. They're alone. Even though they have relationships, even though they have family, there is a big hole in their lives. Here is our heavenly father who is looking down. And Jesus described what it was like. He, he told the story of the prodigal son, and he said, you know, the children, they walked away from their daddy. And the father's up in heaven saying, one day I'm going to get them all back. I'm going to get them back. And so he's yearning for that. And yet he looks down at us, and he knows that there's a hole. There's loneliness. There's an abandonment. And yet God is determined to come back and get us. So we know the story that he sent his son Jesus, didn't he? And Jesus came and he showed the Father's love. He showed it, unadulterated, un, un, unhidden. When Jesus came into a community, he just poured out like gifts his love, his faithfulness to touch people's hearts, to let them know that the kingdom of God is here, that God is going to restore you to your heavenly daddy, that the game is, is over as far as abandonment and feeling alone. He says, God has come. He has sent his son. We know that Jesus, he worked miracles. We know that he lived among us. We know that he, he was a wonderful, beautiful uh, individual, God-man. But then he was going to have to pay a huge price to get us back. And so he offered his, his own body, didn't he? He offered his own body as a sacrifice for mankind to restore us so that we would not have to be alone anymore. Again, we know the story. Jesus surrendered to the guards. They took him. They abused him. They shoved thorns on his head. He bled. This beautiful human being, God-man, who did nothing wrong but just love people and care for people, was punished, abused, spit upon, cursed. And then... With all the ability that he could have, he could have shut the whole thing down. He could have said, enough, but he didn't. He surrendered knowing that it was for our uh, connection. It was for our restitution. It was for our redemption that he would have to endure all that. And he did. And he suffered. They nailed his hands to the cross, his feet to the cross, and there he died. And he said, it is finished. We know this story. This is a familiar story. It is such a dichotomy of, of horror and yet incredible joy. We think of something like that, and, and you, don't, you almost don't want to tell your children what it was really like. But really, we need to let them know how much he suffered. We need to let them know, as young as they could possibly understand it, that what Jesus did there on the cross was to restore us so that they know ahead of time that we're reminded constantly that what Jesus did was selfless. It was out of obedience. It's so that we could be restored to our daddy again. So that we would be sitting there in our life and we'd see that car drive up. And I'll never forget my daddy getting out of that car and going, there he is. And he's back. And he's ready to receive us. So we know the story. We also know the truth many of us. You can't watch a football game today, or at least you, you used to. Now the cameras don't like to shine that John 3.16 back in the end zone like they used to, but we know that that 
we know of that verse, and so many human beings do. And what we find is that nearly 90% of all human beings are to the point where they've heard the gospel, which is amazing. But the Bible says that even if they didn't ever hear of John 3.16, that everybody really knows deep in their hearts what their need is, what the problem is. If you look at Romans chapter 1, 18 through 20, you'll see exactly what I mean. Paul says, by the Spirit of God, the wrath of God, the anger of God, is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness, those who don't believe in God, those who don't listen to God, and wickedness, those things which are done in evil and hatred and jealousy. The wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. By their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. They don't ever have to hear John 3.16. They know inside their heart by virtue of the things I'm going to share here, what it says, Scripture says, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his love, his mercy, his goodness, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. The truth is, they don't have to flash John 3.16 in an end zone of a football game. They don't have to see a television, uh, television evangelist on TV. They don't. The Bible says that our own hearts incriminate us because we walk and we see beautiful mountains. We see a majestic seas. Then we look into the heavens and we see the most glorious things. We can see a, a, a turtle crawl on the ground, a bird in flight. We can hear its song. We feel the gentle wind blowing, blowing across their face. We, have this, we, we look at creation and it draws us up. It reminds us there is a creator. It, it, it's a faint memory. It's like, you know, I... I, I I remember deep inside, something's being recalled. Something's being jostled. I don't know what it is, but I think I, re I, think I know I'm supposed to be in relationship to the one who made all of this. And then when wickedness comes up in our heart and we want to strike against our brother or our sister, or when we allow things to rise up inside us, it is a, it, it, even then, after it takes place, after we do it, there's a sense of guilt. Because we were created, I mean, rather, we've, we were not created to ever experience sin. And that's why it stands out so acutely when we walk in it. And it reminds us of our creator. That's what Romans 1 is telling us. That creation is a reminder. That our own actions are a reminder. So that men are without No excuse. We also read this, because God has a solution. And this is the verse that is flashed behind the screen, because, or uh, in the end zone. And I'll read it again. But this is God's solution. This was God's answer. This was God reaching across the gulf. This was God coming back to get us. Check this out. For God so loved the world. In the light of his wrath, in the light of his judgment, 
in the light of his verdict to say that every human being is deserving of being cast off and thrown away and left to be in the trash pile. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that cost him. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To be restored to what God always wanted his man to be, with him forever. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. This is part of the verses that follow John 3.16 that most of us don't really read. But check it out. I'll read it again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world in the light of his wrath, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Condemned. It's not rejected. It's not left behind or abandoned. Condemned means all of those things. But in addition to it, never, ever. God did not come to condemn this world, to put a final judgment upon it and say, never ever will I reach for man again. No, in his love, he's reached for us. He's made the final move. He's come back. But whoever does not believe, though, stands condemned already. So the sentence of condemnation is already over mankind, and so it is by the grace of God that God comes and says, If you'll just join me, then I will take you away from this. If you will just but believe in the gift I've given you. He says you condemned all because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world in the form of Jesus, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil, and everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That's called the fear of the Lord, by the way. The fear of the Lord is being able to walk into the light and say, you know what, I fear God because I know he rewards those who follow him and he brings retribution to those who do not. And why is that true? It's because man is already condemned. So there is a special grace available to any human being. And it's the simplest thing that you could ever imagine. And it's right here in this verse. If we believe in the Son of God and that belief brings us into the light, where we just stand there and say, you got me. I will never live outside the knowledge of a Savior anymore. I will not try to use my deeds to cover it over. I will not try to pretend I won't believe the professors. I won't read the comic books. I won't listen to the rap songs. I won't listen to any of that mess out there that tries to tell me that there is no creator, that there is no living God, that there is not one who loves us, that there is no grandpa in the sky. That I will not, I will not believe all that mess that is being pumped at me in this culture, but I will believe the simple love letter that has been sent to me as a human being, that if I only believe in the Son of God, I will be saved from my sins, 
I will never have to be alone ever again. So we know that story. Maybe I told it a little differently this morning. But here in Roanoke Rapids, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that every man, woman, and child has heard this story before. You know the feeling. We know the story. We know the feeling. Everyone knows what it feels like to be alone, to be abandoned. You may not have had to have my experience, but it comes, it, and it's amazing how loneliness can come upon us. But you know what? They figured that out of, the, out of all the different things that Americans suffer, the number one issue that people suffer here in the United States is loneliness. And that's in the light of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and the rest. It is easier for you and me to connect with a human being ever than history, I mean, ever. It doesn't matter, you can be on top of a mountain and if you got a signal, you're good to go. Am I right? But it still leaves us empty. Here we have, I don't know how many friends on my book, on my Facebook, I don't want to tell you. But it's probably way too many, and it may not be enough. But the truth is this, no, that number doesn't make me happy. There's only a few who really do, but it begins with one. We know that feeling. Look at Psalm 25, 16 through 19. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. We can identify. In the late watches of the night, when vacation's over, when the party's over, when you've told all your stories and you're, 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 you're plumb out of, out of living your facade, and it's just you. And you can't fool yourself anymore. You've told, you're storied out. I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all of my sins and see how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Here's David saying, here's a guy who, 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 who's written all these psalms. Here's a guy who understands what it is to have a personal relationship with the Creator, and yet here he is writing about loneliness. Because David, as much as he loved God, and he was a man after God's own heart, he still didn't have Jesus. We know that feeling, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves. But today, you also know the promise. Our young people read it to us in our little video. But in Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39, it says no. I mean, Paul lists off, uh, all the way leading up to Romans chapter 8, Paul is telling us why we need a Savior. He tells us why we should avoid sin because it's, it, it's death to us. He tells us the simple solution. And then in Romans 8, he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are, find yourself in Christ, no longer do you have to be sad. No longer do you have to be controlled by sin. No longer do you have to, to, to walk in the damage, the brokenness of this world. You can be in it, but not of it. You can walk and experience great joy. Let me finish the verse. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. 
So not only are we just holding on, I love the idea of being a conqueror as opposed to just dug in a foxhole and holding out. I'd rather get up out of that foxhole and run forward straight into the fire knowing that my God has already won the battle. He says, no, 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 no. As believers, you're more than conquerors. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death nor life. Man, we don't have to go any further. I mean, even death is not going to conquer me? Oh, yeah. Because we know the story, don't we? And Jesus, what did he do with death? He conquered it. He rose from the dead. And what he was showing every man, woman, and child who existed, and for those who listen to the message to this day, is that we are more than conquerors. And we may not conquer another thing in this world, but when you close your eyes for the very last time here on this earth, death will be defeated. That's your last enemy. That's my last enemy. And I get to look him in the face and say, oops, don't got me. Don't got me. Because I'll open up my eyes and I'll see Jesus face to face. You will see Jesus face to face. And, 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 and everything, I mean, just imagine that. Every anxiety, every depressive thought, every negative thing, every anxiety of the future, and every dis disgust of the past is gone in an instant and all we have is the hope of being with our daddy forever he drives up and he says you ready to go and i hop in that car ready to roll to be with my daddy nothing no life or death neither angels or demons that are real a demon tries to remind us of a past we just remind him of his future neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. I'd love to spend more time on height, height nor depth. That gets into some sci-fi stuff. That's cool, isn't it? Don't have time. You, you, you got to get out of here. Nor anything else in all creation. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To me, that's the best part. That's why I underlined it in your notes, by the way. Because to me, that's it. Nothing in all creation can ever separate me from God's love. And if that is true, then I will never, ever, 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 ever be lonely. I don't have to be lonely again. Because in a moment... All I have to do is engage my spirit to get past that which is natural, to, to forget about angels and demons, to think about, forget about death and life, to forget about all those things and just say, Jesus, thank you for being here. And I wish I had known the Lord when I was seven years old because I would have been like I would be now if you left me there. We were on vacation together and you left me there. I would just sit on that seat and just say, Jesus, what do you want to do? He'd probably say, go roll on that hill, Pastor David. <laughs> Let's enjoy this. So God's got a promise for us today. And Jesus said it because he was looking forward. And, and it must have been, Jesus must have been just so confined. Because they probably always, always looked at him and just said, there's more, isn't there, Jesus? You guys, you guys can't handle this right now. But when he looked at them and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
that must have been just bursting inside Jesus to tell them. And he's telling us that today. Never going to leave us. Never going to forsake us. The truth is God is here. He's here in this building today. He's ready to receive anyone. He's ready to remind those who have given your life to Christ many years ago to remind you he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You just got to open your eyes. You just got to open your eyes. But for those of you here today that you've never accepted Christ as your Savior or you have a knowledge of Jesus but never have really given your life to him, God is waiting. He's ready. He's like that father whose who's open arms is saying, come on, come on. I'm here, ready to receive us. He's everywhere present. David discovered that in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? You almost get a negative sense of that. But if you put a positive flow on David's revelation, there's nowhere on the earth that he will not be. Today's truths can either bring you peace or they can bring you terror. It really, that's, that's true. It's kind of like seeing a policeman in a radar position. If you're doing the speed limit, you're walking on sunshine with Katrina and the waves. You're like, I'm good. But if not, you're singing, is there anybody out there with, you know, with Pink Floyd? <laughs> Desperate, lost. No feeling of any fellowship whatsoever. We laugh about this, but it really is serious here today. It really is. And the only reason why I think we can approach this somewhat comically, to me, it's a big joke that nobody would receive this wonderful gift. There have been men who have been geniuses that have discovered, who have come to the conclusion that it doesn't make sense to not choose Jesus. And there have been paupers and poor people sitting on the street with, no, with barely any clothes on their bodies to say, it doesn't make any sense to not choose Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. If you get the message, if you know the truth, if you've heard the story, if you know the, the message of Jesus, and if you're hearing what I'm telling you today, then you've got only a couple of options. <laughs> That's either to reject it and leave today without... I mean, you're on your own. Enjoy rolling down that hill. Or you can accept this truth and take incredible delight and joy and peace in knowing he's never going to leave you. You never have to be alone in this world and most certainly not in the next. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Easter Sunday. It's really Resurrection Sunday. Easter just ties us into the, the wonderful history of the, the Christian calendar. But if we got specific, what we're doing here today, I mean, every Sunday to a Christian is Resurrection Sunday really is but on this day we take a moment to take a little extra time to very soberly look at the gift that we've been given and to be reminded of the wonderful truths 
You know, if you're here today, and if you're not for certain that if you died tonight, because we're all going to die, we're going to breathe our last at some point in this world. The oldest living human being just died a day or two ago at 117 years old. The last known person to have been born in the 19th century. But she died. She had to pass on to the next world. As much as, as hard as we try to make this, la this life last, we will enter eternity at some point. The beauty is God has foreseen that, and he's taking care of that because neither life nor death can separate us from the love of God. The question for you today is, if you're here, will you choose that? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes with no one looking around. Again, if you're not for certain that if you did die tonight, God forbid that that be your time, but if it is, are you confident that the next face you'll see is Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you accepted the free gift? You can right now. Right now. You do not have to leave today with confusion, with distraction. You can settle this and receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. And you come into a relationship with the living God who will never leave you nor forsake you. If that's what you would like today, would you raise your hand up? Nice and high. No one looking around, just you and God. I just want to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? Amen. If you'll just leave your hand up for another moment, one of our team is going to come and give you something. If I could have our prayer teams come right now to the front. Lord, I pray for each one of us as we leave today, God, we would be comforted in the knowledge that, Lord, we're never going to be alone. We're not alone now, we won't be alone tomorrow, and we will not be alone for the rest of our life, even if there's never another human being that comes to connect with us. You are there. Lord, I pray that right now that you'd fill us with that understanding, with that revelation, and from that, God comes a new joy, will come a new peace, that the enemy who will try to remind us of, of our lack of relationships or the enemy that would try to come and, 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 and point out the things that we don't have, Lord, would be swept away by the living God who would say, I am here, I am here. I'm ready to receive you, ready to walk with you, ready to encourage you. Lord, let us walk in that confidence today. Lord, into everyone's heart today, may there be a fresh truth of your love, your goodness, that you'll never abandon us, God. And you'll always be with us forever and ever. And we thank you. We love you today, Lord Jesus. In your wonderful name, amen.